knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 163 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. If you are like many other people, you have a love of nature and wildlife and all things outdoors. If you do, you can thank a hunter. Hunters put the most dollars where their mouths are into their sport, into their wildlife species, and into conservation. Hunters are ensuring that the wildlife that they love has the proper habitat needed to survive. If you enjoy looking out your backyard and watching the birds come to your feeder, you can thank a hunter. Through their purchase of firearms, ammunition, and other equipment and accessories, this money goes right back into conservation, habitat, and ultimately all of the wildlife species, those that we can hunt and those we cannot. But it hasn't always been that way. Throughout history, people have depended upon wildlife for survival. They depended upon wildlife as a source of food, clothing, and even as a source of tools. While many people throughout history have taken responsibility as good stewards of wildlife, at times there have been several examples of wasteful human actions. North America reached a tipping point in the late 1800s as extinction and near extinction of many species rose dramatically due to human actions. Loss of habitat from deforestation, mining, water pollution, and other environmental impacts began to affect many species. Wildlife was considered an inexhaustible commodity, and there were few limits on the harvest. Abundant wildlife species dwindled, and some even became extinct. Many people began to see these losses of wildlife, and they grew concerned about the future of these animals. By the early 1900s, hunters and conservationists rallied to support policies and legislation that would sustain North America's wildlife populations. Hunters, member of local conservation and outdoor clubs, and people involved in the industry all worked together to pass laws in the United States. These laws were targeted to fund wildlife research and conservation through taxes on hunting, shooting, fishing equipment, and motorboat fuel. 
wildlife research and management evolved as a sound science to guide conservation and promote the wise use of wildlife. Over time, a list of seven developed and interconnected tenants have evolved and shaped wildlife conservation and management practices in the United States and Canada and are now known as the North American model of wildlife conservation. These seven tenants have shaped wildlife management practices in the U.S. and Canada and have contributed significantly to efforts to sustain species. To understand the current process of wildlife conservation, we must look back at how wildlife policy grew and changed in North America over time. You hear the word conservation often. Conservation is the prevention of the wasteful use of natural resources. Early European explorers found North America teeming with wildlife. Wildlife population numbers were endless and there were no laws or regulations to keep the balance in check. The first stories from North America were tales of limitless bounty. Stories from the old explorers and trappers have made statements that their wildlife numbers and the populations were unlike anything they have ever seen. As the population of people greatly expanded in the 1800s, much of North America's natural resources, including wildlife, were exploited. Loss of habitat from deforestation, mining, and water pollution began to impact many wildlife species. Market hunters had little to no restrictions and they harvested as much wildlife as they could sell for meat, fur, and animal parts. The definition of a market hunter was a professional hunter that hunted animals as an occupation. As North America's prosperity grew, harvesting wildlife was no longer just for survival. People bought fur hats decorated with bird feathers for fashion. Market hunters were paid to harvest bison for advancing railroad communities. Citizens and the government set their sights on predators and any wildlife that was seen as a threat to human progress. Wildlife was considered an inexhaustible commodity and there were few limits on the harvest. Abundant wildlife species dwindled, and some, such as the passenger pigeon, became extinct. Extinction is where a wildlife species was unable to overcome the extreme changes in land use, habitat loss, or overharvesting of their populations. Many people began to see these losses of wildlife, and they grew concerned about the future of these animals. Several forward-thinking conservationists and hunters realized the effects of this unregulated hunting. They saw the need to set limits to sustain wildlife populations, and they also assumed responsibility for the stewardship of our natural resources on behalf of present and future generations. They wanted to see the number of wildlife sustained so their kids, grandkids, and beyond could also enjoy the abundance of wildlife and hunting through these conservation efforts. By the early 1900s, hunters and conservationists rallied to support policies and legislation that would restore North America's wildlife populations. 
thanks to the pioneering efforts and vision of people such as President Teddy Roosevelt and the commitment of hunters and conservationists, wildlife conservation took a dramatic and a life-saving turn for the better. In 1900, the Lacey Act eliminated market hunting by prohibiting the sale of wildlife. Hunters and anglers worked to pass laws in the United States to fund wildlife research and conservation through taxes on hunting, shooting, fishing equipment, and even motorboat fuel. Wildlife research and management evolved as a sound science to guide conservation and to promote the wise use of wildlife. Through this came the seven tenants for conservation. These seven tenants form the North American model of wildlife conservation. Over time, these interconnected tenants have evolved and shaped wildlife conservation and management practices in the United States and Canada. The first is wildlife resources are a public trust. The government manages wildlife on behalf of the public today and for future generations. States make and enforce most management regulations. Two, markets for game animals have been eliminated. Laws prevent the selling of certain wild game meats or animal parts to unregulated markets. There are a number of cases in which products such as fish, furs, and certain game animals may be sold. However, these markets are monitored and heavily regulated to ensure that harvest is sustainable. Laws also prohibit the sale of non-game, threatened, or rare species. Three, allocation of wildlife is by law. Governments use a process of public rulemaking to decide which species may be hunted or controlled in the public interest and which species may be collected, hunted, or processed by people. These rules are based on the needs of the people and the impact it will have on wildlife. Four, wildlife may only be killed for legitimate purposes. This tenant is subject to local, state, and regional needs, but its intention is to avoid the wasteful and indiscriminate killing of wildlife. Legitimate purposes include fur, food, and defending a person or property. Five, wildlife is an international resource. Many wildlife species regularly move across national borders, such as waterfowl and songbirds. International agreements, agencies, and organizations help protect and manage these species. Federal agencies, in cooperation with state agencies, are legally responsible for managing wildlife that affects national interests, such as threatened and endangered species and migratory wildlife. Six, wildlife policy is science-based. Science informs decision makers when making wildlife policy and structuring management plans. Seven, hunting is a democracy. Laws offer the opportunity to hunt and fish to all people, not just those who are privileged. These seven tenants have shaped wildlife management practices in the United States and Canada, contributing significantly to efforts to sustain fish and wildlife species. 
these wildlife species are now monitored, their populations are managed, and hunters and fishermen, through the license fees they pay, excise taxes on sporting goods, and excise taxes on motorboat fuels, and even voluntary contributions to conservation organizations, provide several billion, with a B, dollars annually to support habitat and wildlife conservation. Although excise taxes and license fees are not directly part of these seven tenants, the money provided directly benefits the wildlife conservation efforts. The public participates in judicial, legislative, and regulatory processes to influence laws and rulemaking. Challenges still exist for wildlife and those who help manage their populations, but thanks to the North American model of conservation, wildlife levels in the United States will be sustainable for generations to come. Let's dive into the first tenant, which is wildlife resources are a public trust. How are the public trust doctrine and the North American model of conservation interconnected? All over the world, natural resources play an important role in people's everyday lives. It is important to ensure that all people have access to important resources, but different governments around the world address these issues in different ways. In the United States and other countries, the system that is implemented is called the Public Trust Doctrine. Under this doctrine, some resources, such as fish and wildlife, are viewed as resources that belong to everyone. Not only do these resources belong to all members of the public, they belong to future generations as well. This means that sustainability is a key aspect of the public trust. To make sure that all people have access to these important resources and to ensure that these resources are managed sustainably, the government helps to manage these resources to the benefit of all people living in our country. Under this system, these resources do not belong to the government. The government simply carries out the important task of keeping these resources safe, sustainable, and accessible to the public. Early conservationists saw the need to put into place rules and regulations so that our future generations would be able to enjoy the wildlife that's found in North America. From the years 1941 to 1995, scientists put into place key ideas or tenets that would guide conservation efforts in the United States and across all of North America. In 2012, this list of tenants was officially named the North American Model of Conservation. One of the key components of this model is the idea that wildlife is a public trust resource. Without government oversight, resources like fish and wildlife could quickly disappear. As the United States grew from the 13 original colonies and began and spread westward, the once abundant resources that could be found almost everywhere began to grow scarce. Unregulated harvesting or hunting and an economic system that only found value in wildlife as a product brought several game species to the verge of extinction. A game species is simply an animal that has been or is still typically hunted by humans an age of abundance that lasted from 1600 
to roughly 1850 was replaced by an age of wildlife exploitation that would last for nearly 50 years. Early conservationists, championed and led by then-President Teddy Roosevelt, saw the need to put into place rules and regulations in order to stop this period of exploitation so that future generations would be able to enjoy the wildlife and game found in North America. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com waypointpod50 to get 50% off. From 1941 to 1995, scientists put into place key ideas or tenets that would guide conservation efforts in the U.S. and all of North America. A tenant is simply a key idea or a belief. In 2012, this list of tenants was officially named. Today, known as the North American Model of Conservation, the term model was used to describe the tenants as a representation of ideas. Realizing that without government oversight, resources like fish and wildlife could quickly disappear, one of the key components, therefore, is the idea that wildlife is a public trust resource and wildlife belongs to everyone. By implementing the public trust doctrine and viewing both wildlife and fish as universally important resources, it is hoped that conservationists can continue to protect wildlife as a resource in our country. A conservationist is simply someone who advocates for the protection and preservation of the environment and the wildlife that lives upon it. With the guidance of case law and both federal and state statutes, regulations are created to ensure that natural resources are both protected and sustained over time. By understanding this very important role of public trust and the other six tenets of the North American model, it is hoped that everyone will better understand 
how we may continue to have this abundance of wildlife, not only for our enjoyment, for the benefit and enjoyment of our future generations. Understanding the North American model of wildlife conservation, it's also important to realize how conservation efforts are funding wildlife today through the user pay public benefit system. Wildlife is considered to be a universally important resource that everyone has the right to access, but not just anyone can go into the outdoors to hunt an animal anytime and any place. Legal hunting is highly regulated by wildlife agencies. Legal hunting requires a license and possibly additional stamps and legal hunting is highly regulated by trained wildlife law enforcement officers, conservation police officers, or otherwise known as game wardens. By definition, a license is a permit from a government-controlled agency that allows a person to own or use something, to perform a specific job, or to do a particular task such as hunting. All states have laws in place that require training before a person can qualify for a license that then allows them to hunt independently. Almost all of this training focuses on safety, ethics, and the law. Ethics are the moral principles by which we live and social constructs that guide a person's behavior during any activity. Even after acquiring a license to hunt a specific game animal, hunters have very strict guidelines they must follow, including where and when they hunt and how many of a wildlife species they may harvest in a given hunting season. Science serves as the driving force to the creation of these guidelines that establish harvest quotas, laws dealing with specific game animals, and the regulation of hunting practices. All of these together ensure that hunted populations of wildlife remain at a sustainable level year after year. In order to obtain a hunting license for a specific game animal, a hunter is required to pay a small fee for the opportunity to pursue these species. That money is then used to help fund wildlife conservation efforts that benefit all wildlife and all people. Since 1937, state wildlife agencies across the country have raised almost $8 billion from the sale of hunting and fishing licenses. This money is then used to support natural resource programs that include purchasing public lands for all to enjoy, protecting critical habitats, and helping to restore some endangered or threatened wildlife species. Simply stated, an endangered species is an animal that is at serious risk for extinction. If a species is driven to extinction, then it can no longer be found in this world. No legally hunted animal has ever become extinct thanks to these rules, regulations, and laws that have been put into place. Hunting and fishing are both highly regulated and sustainable systems in North America. However, the illegal killing and trading of wildlife remains a key problem even today. People that break these regulations and hunt endangered or protected wildlife, these people are called poachers. Poachers violate the law and they steal the wildlife resources from the public trust 
by engaging in these illegal activities. Depending where you are and when you're caught, if you violate state and or federal laws, a lot of poachers are still spending time in jail for many years to come and many tens of thousands of dollars in wildlife restitution fees as part of their punishment and penalty for being a poacher. The funding that comes from hunting to purchase these habitats do not just benefit commonly harvested game such as deer, elk, or waterfowl. Many threatened or nearly extinct species of birds, such as the trumpeter swan, bald eagle, and even the whooping crane, benefit from the protected habitats purchased from our hunting dollars. Even though hunters are the ones who are actually using the wildlife through their harvest, all citizens benefit from the conservation efforts that hunting funds create. This is the model that's known as the user pay public benefit model of funding conservation. Hunting provides other benefits than simply securing the funds needed to protect wildlife species. For some of these species, hunting is used as a tool to help reduce conflicts between humans and wildlife, such as collisions between deer and vehicles on roadways, the destruction of crops by wildlife, and the threats to livestock and even our pets. Many hunters choose to hunt because they believe that the wild game they harvest is a healthy alternative to the meat purchased in the store. Over 97% of active hunters say they and their families eat the animals they kill, providing them with a healthy diet alternative. Hunters love to share. Not only do they share their game with neighbors and landowners and friends, they also donate millions of pounds of game meat to charitable organizations to help feed those who are in need. This act of charity highlights the important role that hunted wildlife species play as a sustainable source of food in our society. It is through the actions of hunters and their activities in nature that funds are secured for conservation. Many generations of future Americans will be able to enjoy both wildlife and the habitats they call home thanks to this user pay public benefit system that is in place today in the United States. Collectively, the many social and environmental benefits of hunting significantly enhance not only the quality of life for the wildlife, but for hunters and non-hunters alike all across North America. There are many year-round activities that hunting encourages. These activities include scouting different wildlife habitats during the off-season. By learning all about the species, taking the time year-round to explore where they live, how they build their nests or their dens, and learning all about their behaviors can only make you not only a better hunter, but a better naturalist and a better conservationist. Seek out the different conservation clubs and groups in your area and learn what you can do to join and improve wildlife habitats by doing projects throughout the year. Cooking and sharing wild game meals from your harvest not only improves the relationship among your family and friends, but also giving back to the landowner is a very good gesture for future opportunities. 
spend time as often as you can by going to the gun range during the off season. If you're a wing shooter, pick up the games of trap, skeet, and sporting clays to improve your bird hunting proficiency. If you are a rifle hunter, go to the gun range and practice your distance shooting and working on your fundamentals of shooting to become a better marksman when it comes time for the hunt. Being a hunter, being married to a hunter, and raising four boys as hunters, what I've found is everything that we do revolves around some aspect of hunting. Whether it be going to the range frequently and often, whether it be buying items year-round, especially in the off-season when things might be on sale, we are continually looking forward for future opportunities to go hunting. Best yet, finding that new person that did not grow up hunting or had anyone take them, mentoring them into why we do what we love, why we love the wildlife and habitat, and teaching other people to become good stewards of the land and good conservationists. Thanks to the vision of the wise hunters that came many decades before us, the North American model of wildlife conservation was born And it's doing its part by ensuring that our generation is enjoying wildlife and living by those seven tenants. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and making memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you have heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.